0: Morning Soma family. Uh, Let's continue in our study in the book of Daniel. If you haven't gotten a Bible, please grab one. Uh, We're going to read in it. We're in Daniel 9, which is Daniel's prayer. And we're going to look at prayer in his life and try to pull out some application and inspiration. And my goal is that we're all moved to more prayer. I've, uh, I've really liked this study in Daniel. I think there's lots of applications that Justin has pointed out for us. And there's a few that I've picked up. One is Daniel in, uh, in Babylon, and before he, he was taken there, he was in a, a person of privilege. We in America, many of us, are people of privilege, at least compared to others in the world. And the question is, how are we gonna steward it? Uh, Daniel lived as an exile. In another land and right now I kind of feel like an exile in my home but the truth is we're all passing through this life this is not our home Uh, our home is a future in heaven and I can relate to that Daniel probably isn't allowed to gather and worship like he's used to he's probably forced to be in uh, homes in small groups just like we're doing now Daniel had to submit and live under an ungodly government we have to put up with some of that too And Daniel had to find a way to make things better in his culture without compromising his faith, just like we do. Justin asked me to focus in this chapter on prayer. In the last part of the book of Daniel is the the 70 weeks prophecy. And Justin covered that Monday night in our uh, Daniel study that's on tape. You can access that if you'd like. And I hope you'll consider uh, that in the future if we... Uh, Continuant in other books of the Bible. It's been a lot of fun. I've loved it. So, to exposit prayer in the book of Daniel, what I want to start with was I want to look at his circumstances and his character before we talk about prayer. So, Daniel had some circumstances of blessings. He was part of the royal family, like I said, and nobility. He was good looking, the Bible says, handsome, without defect, showed aptitude. He was quick to understand. He was kind of an A student, and he was qualified. He 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 deserved to be in that position. He was given privilege in the new land. He wasn't a slave, and he was put in the king's court. They had big plans for him. They were going to co-opt him to help Babylon. Now, Daniel had also some circumstances of suffering. He wasn't asked to go to Babylon. He was, he was taken there by force at age 14, taken from his family, probably had to walk about 800 miles. He's now an immigrant. He's looked down upon in Babylon for being a Jew. He's likely castrated as eunuchs were who, who were in the court of the king. He was given a new name, and this name meant a Babylonian god, which would be very offensive to a Jewish man. He was put in this indoctrination program kind of for Babylon University. And he was pressured to get on board with it. And the point is, is that Daniel's life wasn't just rainbows and lollipops. He suffered like we do, perhaps even more. But let's look at it as, as uh, that's the circumstances. Let's look at the man he was. And what I want you to do when you hear these is I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself, would you like these things to be true of you? So, here we go. Daniel was a person of conviction. He knew who he was, and there was no ungodly compromise in him. He was winsome and persuasive with authority. Daniel wasn't a whiner. He wasn't demanding, and he was respectful to authorities. He was blessed by God with even more understanding and knowledge and dreams. When Daniel needed more information, he sought understanding from other people, and from the Lord. Daniel was a person who took action. He was proactive. He, he wasn't a passive man. He was humble, he sought counsel, and he looked to God for answers. He was a, a lifelong worshiper, ascribing worth to God. That's what worship is. And he did it regardless of his circumstances. When things went well, and he was given praise, he deflected that to God. He wasn't grabbing for acclamation. Daniel was so righteous that others were jealous of him. Daniel is led by the Spirit in such a way that it's evident to the people around him. He had courage and boldness with authorities. He he submitted to them, but he stood up to them. He had no fear of, of man, any man, including the two kings, That he confronted in their sin both Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar he called them out on their sin Daniel has a DNA group Shadrach Meshach and Abednego he looks out for them and he influenced them with faith and courage he was kind to those who opposed him his enemies he even saved their lives he's not motivated by money or things when Belshazzar wants to bribe him to interpret his dream. Daniel says, no, 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 keep your money. I'll give you your interpretation. He couldn't be bought. He lives at least 80 years. He works for at least three ungodly kings. And he's fruitful until the end of his life, around at least till 80. Now, Daniel chapter 9, is, he's around 70, near the end of his life. And Daniel has this good habit of prayer. In a worldly perspective, Daniel may not have needed to pray. I mean, he was in the royal court, life was okay. He was highly capable. In chapter one, the Bible says that God blessed him with 10 times the understanding of, of the other wise men. So he was, smarter than, he was the smartest person in the room every time. And yet with that intellectual horsepower, Daniel still knows there's a spiritual world and he enters into it through prayer. Where do we see prayer in Daniel's life? Well, it's in chapters 2, 6, and 9. In chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar issues this death warrant for all of the wise men who can't can't tell the king his dream nor interpret it. They try to fool the king to say, just tell it to us and and we'll give it to you. And the king realizes they'll just make something up. So he issues this death warrant. He says, I'll cut them to pieces and turn their houses to rubble, and that includes Daniel and his friends. And when Daniel hears this, he tells his friends, let's go to the Lord and plead for mercy. Now that by itself is not such a big deal because I think any of us who are facing death go to God in prayer. Fear is a great motivator for prayer. Have you ever been so afraid that you can barely utter a prayer of rescue? I've been in that position several times. Once, I was unjustly accused of wrongdoing, and um, it was a big thing. I mean, I I don't know what punishment I would face, but I was certainly going to face financial consequences. And I was very fearful and very prayerful until that was resolved in my favor. And another time, just a little one, I, I recall taking Kelly to the mall with my mom. And she was a little girl, and we looked up as we were shopping, and all of a sudden, she's gone. We can't find her. And that, that terror that grips a person, like the worst thing imaginable, my daughter's been taken or gone. And I just remember saying, Lord, please help me. That's what I think we mo- most of us do when, we, when we're gripped with terror. And, of course, I don't know if it was a few minutes it found her. It seemed like a long time, but, but the relief I felt when we found her. But then I went back to terror, realizing I'm going to have to go home and tell Kelly or Karen that I lost Kelly at the mall. But perhaps you've felt that. Fear is a great motivator, motivator for prayer. In Daniel chapter 6, Daniel's thrown in the lion's den only because of his habits of prayer. He prayed three times a day and his prayer life is famous enough that his enemies and colleagues know it well, and they use it in an attempt to get rid of him. They've tried and conspired, and they've become so frustrated that th- that's all they can do. And he's so prayerful that this is the only way his jealous detractors um, can get at him. Now, we don't know <clears throat> from the book of Daniel about Daniel's prayer life in his early years, but he was probably trained as a Jewish boy would have been, and to pray at least twice a day. In the beginning of the chapter, chapter 9, Daniel's having a Bible study. He's reading the Old Testament. He's read, reading the book of Jeremiah. But before I, I mention that, I just want to point out he's probably read the other books too. He's probably read Psalms, Zechariah, Jonah, and and you'll see lots of passages calling us to prayer. Then he's read I believe the prayers of David in Samuel and Psalms, the prayers of Abraham and Moses in the books of Exodus, Hezekiah's prayer in Chronicles, Solomon and Elijah's prayers in 1 Kings, and Jeremiah's prayer in his book. So he has these accounts of these spiritual heavyweights, and he's seen the fruit of prayer. We have the same, we can afford the same luxury to look back and see. The Old Testament now and the New Testament. Daniel didn't have that. You've heard me say it before quoting my friend, much prayer, much blessing. Little prayer, little blessing. No prayer, no blessing. If you want more, I'd love to explain that. But I believe that's true. See, prayer is seeking God. It's seeking His presence. Do you seek God's presence? Through prayer, God gave Daniel courage, peace, wisdom, faith, steadfastness, just to name a few. What I love about prayer is that anyone can do it, kids included. In fact, I I believe God listens to our kids' prayers perhaps even more than ours because they're so innocent and given with so much faith. And our MC, the best part is hearing the Wyatt kids pray. God uses prayer to level the playing field because anyone can do it. That gives me great hope. I can pray. And if you're not a praying person, I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to be encouraged that you can pray. You can pursue the presence of God if you choose to. And you know what? It's regardless of your education, circumstances, social or economic standing, your mood, your distractions, where you are physically... Anyone can pray at any time. And most things, why I like prayers, the most things that I, I yearn for, I can't accomplish by my on my own by myself on, on my best day. Prayer gives me much hope. For, for example, I can't motivate my, my the fathers of my grandchildren to to train my grandchildren up in the ways of the Lord, but I know the one who can motivate them. I can't protect everyone in the church from COVID, but I know the one who can. I can't heal my grandson's autism, but I know who can and who can redeem it. I can offer words of comfort to Steve and and Audrey, who both lost their parents recently, but I can't give them the peace that passes all understanding. But I know the one who can. Do you know the one who can? In Daniel 9, Daniel's reading the scrolls, the books, and here's what it says in Daniel 9, exactly what it says. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, in the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, was made king over the realm... I, I, I'm sorry, I, Daniel, understood by the book, so he's reading the scriptures... The number I understand the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So Daniel realizes that they're going to be in exile 70 years. He's about 70, and he realizes the time is close. Now here's exactly what he read, I believe. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back back out of exile into this place for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope listen closely now then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will hear you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart I will be found by you declares the Lord And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So Daniel, he reads this and he realizes it's perhaps it's even conditional. God says, you will call on my name, you'll pray earnestly. And so Daniel enters into this earnest prayer. He begins to pray. He puts on sackcloth and ashes, which is a sign of humility. That, and He begins to pray and he brings the sin of his people to the Lord. That's what spiritual leadership is. They, he, he takes the burden of others and he carries them to the Lord. That's what, that's what we're to do as fathers in our home. Mothers and fathers, you might provide income for your household, but you're not leading spiritually. If you're not praying over them. Please consider doing so." He's not to blame for everything that happened in the nation of Israel, but he takes responsibility and he feels responsible. Friends, we, we can take responsibility for our households, our wives, our children, our spouse, our DNA groups, our MCs, our neighborhoods, and pray for them. Now, Somebody invested in Daniel's prayer life. He might have been trained to pray when he was age 14. But what what Daniel did is he made his faith his own. That's what we want for all of our children. We train them up in the way of the Lord, and at some point they make their faith their own. Something to pray for. Now, there's an important application I want to make. What compelled Daniel to pray this prayer? Daniel was driven to prayer by reading God's Word, and that's how we fuel our prayer life. <clears throat> In fact, I don't think we can maintain a robust prayer life if we don't have a, a strong appetite for God's Word, and this is a perfect example of prayer resulting from reading God's Word. Jesus himself did it. So the Bible, it can give us a context when we don't even know what to pray, when our prayers have become stale, and they've we feel like they're just hitting the ceiling. Reading the word can give us that context. Now this is old school. Let me explain quickly. Think of a command to keep, a promise to claim, an example to follow, a sin to confess. Those four things. I, <clears throat> I had been in the habit of coloring the, the Bible with, those, with four different colors uh, to identify those things. So, for example, a command to keep. Let's say I read Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And I say, Lord, I want to be a disciple maker, but I'm not. I want to. Please help me. So the God's word leads me to what to pray. Or let's say I read a promise. Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I say, Lord, could you make that truth Profound in my heart deep in my heart in such a way that I walk through my day through my life that I walk knowing you're right by me And it gives me great courage and hope Or let's say I read a good example to follow like Jesus is on the cross and he prays For his enemies that put him there Lord. They don't know what they're doing. Please forgive them Lord. That's not me Could could you please give me that heart to forgive my enemies and pray for them and before them? or I read the scriptures and I'm convicted of sin. Let no corrupt talk come from out of your mouth, Ephesians 4.29. And I read that and I go, Lord, my words and actions to my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my in-laws have not been edifying and I pray, God, you'd, you'd forgive me and I confess those sins to you and I ask for your help. See. The Bible make the Word of God makes our prayers come alive. It guides our prayers, it energizes our prayers, it focuses our prayers. And our prayer habits really rarely get better than our Bible habits. If you want to increase your prayer life, read your Bible more. The Bible will show you this unseen world that Daniel sees, this spiritual world that is worth uh, laboring for. Now, what does Daniel pray? And this is amazing. He reads the the words I already read. Then you'll call upon me and come to me in prayer and I'll hear you. He takes on 500 years of the nation of Israel's sin and he puts it on his back. Like a high priest would, bringing the sins of the people to God. Or, um, Or like Job. If you read in the book of Job, early in the book, Job is making... Sacrifice for his children in case they've forgotten some sin. He's taking responsibility for his children Um, He's the Daniel is the one guy who could have prayed Lord. I'm sorry for all of their sin but Because he was so devoted. I mean, we don't see any blemish and we know he's a sinful man But we really don't see any blemish in the book of Daniel But he uses the term we, all, us in the scripture, in in his prayer, 28 times in 15 verses. And I'm going to read a few of them for you. He starts in verse 5 We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from our commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants and prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame, the men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all of the countries where you've scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. O Lord, and our king, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. He goes on and on, self-identifying with the sin of Israel in this heartfelt um confession using lots of words to be particular about the sin that the nation of Israel has has done against God for for all of these years and at the end he says we don't make our requests of you because we're righteous but because of your great mercy see another good reason to read our bible so so Daniel knows the character of God and that's his appeal to God on behalf of the people he loves for his nation. So Daniel felt this shame and it broke him. I mean, could you imagine going back 500 years and confessing the sin of Christians? If we did that and went back to the 1500s, we would be confessing the Christians' involvement in the slave trade, that's when it started. Portugal, England, Spain, that's when it became an industry. Also, you'd be confessing the sin of violence of Christian upon Christian when the Reformation started. That's what Daniel did. Now, perhaps you've felt the sin and shame of the big sea, the big church. Perhaps it's looking at Christians who are involved in materialism, idolatry, consumerism, maybe it's the prosperity gospel, um, or or not caring for the lost, like being the frozen chosen, and we don't really care about the lost. I, I can identify with that. Or the homeless, or other injustices. I mentioned to you before how I felt when I went to Memphis through the Civil Rights Museum, and I was... Um, it profoundly moved me. And my question that I was struck with is, where were the Christians when blacks were treated like animals? And then, it, and then I, I thought, where were the Christians in Germany when the Jews and homosexuals and the disabled were rounded up and taken and then murdered? Where was the church? And I, I, I just felt, oh, where would I have been? And then I I went to our present day thinking, where is the church to defend the unborn being slaughtered near us, in our neighborhoods, in our cities? Now, that's it for me. You might have a different feel of owning the shame of other Christians and yourself. But the point is, that's how Daniel felt. Daniel has this soft heart, doesn't he? I love it. He has a, a humble heart, a devoted heart. That's the heart I want. His prayer is a prayer of confession, and he he doesn't deflect it, deny it, he doesn't blame other people. He doesn't he doesn't hide from it, he doesn't justify it or make excuses, he just confesses and he prays. So Daniel takes the sin of his people and he brings it before the Father. His appeal is to God's character. What a gift of love! Daniel gives the nation of Israel. Now Jesus did, Jesus did it too, except he took it way beyond that. He was the perfect Daniel. Instead of just confessing our sin, he became our sin. Jesus took the punishment of our sin that we deserve. He was forsaken when we should have been forsaken. He was forsaken by God, For us because he loves us. He laid his life down. Pastor Dawson the other day said that we may feel forsaken like God has forgotten us and it's certainly fine to confess that to the Lord if we feel that way. But the truth is is the only one who was truly forsaken was Jesus and he did that for us. Like Daniel did it for Israel pleading and praying for the nation of Israel, Jesus is interceding for you and I continually. Look at Hebrews 7.25. It says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus does what Daniel did, but he does it continually for us. He came because He loves us. He died because He loves us. He took our punishment because He loves us. That's the love of Advent. And when we pray to God, I believe we're saying back to Him, Father, I love you too. Now, rather than me pray at the end of this, since the message is on prayer, let's take a moment and for application, and let's, I'm going to ask you to pray for yourself and for whoever you're with. So if you're by yourself or you're in a group, please uh, take this time and pray over the words you've heard. I love you. Have a great week.